0: on cleveland golf your best performance starts with the right golf ball sun mountain golf bags finn scooters making the game more fun edel golf hit it flip it dial it in and the macklemore club experience live above the clouds now here's your host chris mascaro Good evening, folks, and thank you for joining me on Next on the i I'm your host, Chris Mascaro. Tonight, I've got five fantastic guests that I'm looking forward to sharing with you. One of the top instructors in the game, a former senior Open champion, two of the best golf course designers on the planet, and the CEO of one of the top courses you can play designed by those two guys. We'll talk about who all of those folks are in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to thank all of you again for keeping the show steady at number two in the Podcast Magazine Hot 50 list for the July edition. You guys are fantastic. I'm so thankful for all of your wonderful support. We've got one spot left to go get, so please continue to vote and do so daily by going online to podcastmagazine.com forward slash hot 50. We are so close. Your votes are very important. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your consideration. Again, please vote. At podcastmagazine.com forward slash hot 50, your wonderful support means a great deal to me. And speaking of support, I want to give a special shout out to David Caldarella. David, I can't thank you enough for all of your support over social media. Thank you for sharing the show, your wonderful words of encouragement. You are so important to the success of this show, David. I thank you so much. Folks, check out David on Twitter and the foundation he started to help raise money for families who have someone dealing with cancer. You can find him on Twitter at David underscore Calderella. C A L D A R E L L A is the spelling of his last name. David, thank you so much. And a special shout out and a prayer request goes out for our friend Michael Whalen. Mike was the guy who got the golf channel started back in 1995. He hired all the talent, created all the shows. He's in a hospital currently battling cancer. Please show him some love on Twitter, at Mike J. Whalen. W-H-E-L-A-N is the spelling of his last name. Mike, we love you, my friend. Okay, on to tonight's show. And first up is going to be our good friend, top instructor, and the host of the Golf Kingdom TV show, Rob Strano. Tonight, I'm going to get Rob's thoughts on what's going on with Live Golf. We'll look ahead to this week's Open Championship. Plus, we'll get some drills that we can do right in our own homes to get rid of the shanks, those banana slices off the tee, plus hit better wedge shots. Looking forward to having Rob back with me. He'll join me here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'll get a return visit from 2013 senior Open champion Mark Wiebe. Mark's son, Gunner, Monday qualified for last week's Barbasol championship and played really well. So we're going to hear about that. We'll hear if Greg Norman had approached Mark with a bag full of money to go over to the live tour. Would Mark have listened to him? We'll hear what he has to say about that. We'll go back and relive some of the great moments from his senior Open Championship victory. Plus, we'll talk about the strategy changes that you need to go through when you go over there to play Lynx golf. Mark will be with me here about 25 minutes from now. And then we're going to round out tonight's show with a visit from Bill Bergen, Reese Jones, and Dwayne Horton of the McLemore. They've got some exciting news for what's going on up there that I can't wait to hear. Plus, I'll talk with Bill about his experience playing in an Open Championship at St. Andrews, which he did, and he also had the low round of the tournament. I'll get Reese's thoughts on the U.S. Open. He did some work at the course at the Country Club, so we'll hear about that. And like I say, all the exciting stuff going on at the McLemore. Looking forward to having all of those guys with me a little bit later on in the hour. So there you have it, folks. More great stories, tips, and information are coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Tee. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. Before we get started, like we always do, I want to remind you about the McLemore. My buddies and I were there again this year for our annual golf trip, and it was even better the second time around. Everything about the place is first class. The accommodations that we had up there are fantastic. The practice facility is great and got even greater when they opened up their new Himalayas putting course. The on-premise restaurant called the Craig is Outstanding Food and Service and to say the course is spectacular is an understatement. Can't say enough great things about the place, folks. Go online to themaclamore.com to see how great it is for yourself. The golf course is co-designed with our good friends and a couple of our guests tonight, Bill Bergen and Reese Jones, our friend and PGA Tour caddy, and one of my uh, guests just a few weeks ago, Kip Henley, said, Outside of Pebble Beach, it's the most beautiful 18th hole he's ever seen. Golf Digest agreed, naming it the best finishing hole in America since 2000. And Lynx Magazine doubled down on all of that naming it one of the top 10 finishing holes in all of golf. See why we're all bragging about the place by going online to the And folks, this segment of the show is brought to you by TaylorMade. Golf's an interesting game because the better you hit the ball, the fewer shots you have to hit. That means the better you hit the ball, the less golf you actually have to play. That's why TaylorMade made their all-new Stealth irons. TaylorMade's Stealth irons feature a compact design with a 3D toe wrap designed to help deliver increased distance throughout the bag and more forgiveness on those occasional, or maybe not so occasional, less-than-perfect shots. The result? Better shots more often, so you get to have more fun more often. So if you're the kind of golfer who wants to play less golf more often, try the all-new Stealth Irons from TaylorMade, Beyond Driven. Okay, now back in making his 14th appearance with me. We had to get off that unlucky number 13. As one of the top instructors in the game and the host of the Golf Kingdom TV show, Rob Strano, you can watch the Golf Kingdom on Amazon Fire TV, Lab TV, Roku, and Rob's YouTube channel. Rob is from St. Louis, Missouri. As a junior player in the St. Louis district, he won the individual low-stroke average trophy and individual total points trophy back in 1981. Played his college golf at Centenary College in Louisiana. He also played out on the PGA, Corn Ferry, and Hooters NGA Tours for 15 years, and he won five times. Rob is annually recognized by U.S. Kids as one of their top instructors. Plus, he is one of the few out there teaching the game of golf to deaf children. Rob has his Strano Golf Academy at Kelly Plantation in Destin, Florida. He is a great friend, and I'm honored to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Rob, thanks for coming back on the show.
1: You know, I take umbrage with that last part, Chris. If I was truly a great friend, you would have gotten me off show 13 a lot sooner because I've <laughs> been stuck on show 13. And since then I've had the hangnails, three flat tires, the shanks, hair loss, and my dog moved in with the neighbors. So hopefully <laughs> as of tonight and show 14, things will start to turn around to get better. So thank you for your, your humbleness and kindness and, And pulling you out of the dregs of being stuck on show 13. And I'm happy to be here for 14 with you, my friend.
0: (laughs) Always a pleasure to have you as part of the show, my friend. Rob, I got to start by getting your thoughts on this week's Open Championship. It's a special one being the 150th anniversary of the tournament. What are you looking forward to seeing this week?
1: From what I've seen so far, Chris, the course is just playing fast and furious. Sam Burns, there was a video of him yesterday. Bouncing a golf ball on like the fourth fairway. He was throwing it down and catching it at about this above knee high. So the course is as fast as anybody's ever seen it. And it's just going to be fun to see the ball rolling, rolling, rolling both into good spots and potentially bad spots. And as you know, the old course is notorious for some very, very deep penal, steep paced bunkers. And boy, if you get in there, it can make your day long.
0: To that point, Rob. Some players were talking about the tournament turning into a wedge and putting contest since the weather forecast really only calls for rain on Friday. The other days, the rain chance is less than 25%, and the temperatures are going to be around 70 degrees with winds generally around 12 miles an hour. So your thoughts, is that what the course has to do now? Is that the only defense St. Andrews has is to make it really be hard and fast so that the technology and how good these guys are don't really render the course defenseless.
1: It might be, but what was was interesting, Tiger, in his press conference, said that he was playing, I think, the fourth hole, sixth hole, and had a wedge in, and he said, I I couldn't get it close. He said, I I couldn't get it close. That doesn't mean he hit one ball and went, oh, I can't get this close. He probably hit four or five and looked at his caddy and said, dude, I can't get this close with a wedge. What are we going to do here? So I think there's ups and downs to it. And those gigantic greens, when you see greens that big, it's really hard to get your bearings on getting the ball close to the flag. When when the flag can be on four one day and 80 the next day, well, it's like how do you even prepare for something like that? When you look at your pin sheet and you see it's on 80 and 12 from the right, you know, you kind of go, what is that? Is that a misprint? There's a lot of quirkiness to the old course. There's a lot of angles and ways to play it. And when you throw in firm and fast, where the ball can roll into some of those different angles you haven't prepared for, I think it presents the players with lots of options. And you've got the architect coming on. And what they try to do is present us with so many options that we picked the wrong one. And there's kind of the charm of the old course.
0: Rob, everybody's all abuzz about Tiger being there. We didn't see him at the country club for the U.S. Open. He played in the J.P. McManus Pro-Am and really didn't play all that well. He shot 77-74. The hope is that the flat walk at St. Andrews will help him at least make it through all four rounds. What are your expectations for Tiger this week?
1: I I think, number one, yes. I think he actually said it was one of the things he was pointing for because it's the 150th playing of the Open Championship, and St. Andrews is, is pretty darn flat, so it's an easier walk on him. All that adds up to it. I think the firm and fast plays into him being there because he's got the mental capacity to deal with it, and it gives him the opportunity to play shots and not just vomit high in the air, bomb it high in the air, and make putts. You, when it comes to being creative, He's the most creative guy we've seen in a long time. And that, that all of a sudden, when he starts painting with these brush strokes and seeing all that stuff and playing, you know, it'd be fun to see him make the cut. and be even funner, funner? there's a good word, it'd be even more fun <laughs> to see him hanging around late on TV on Sunday.
0: And Rob, there's always so much focus and hype around Tiger that it's starting to feel like the tour has all its eggs in his basket and they're not going to know what to do one day when, when Tiger no longer wants to play or is able to play, whichever one of those things comes first, they, they don't do a really good job of promoting the young players that we have out there. I mean, it's like I say, it's all Tiger all the time, even though Scotty Scheffler has won four times this year and he's now number one in the world. Sam Burns has won three times and played some really good golf this year. Patrick Cantley is the reigning FedEx cup champion. No one's talking about those guys. We're all we're talking about is the guy who's played. 7 rounds of golf this year and really none of them all that well. What happens whenever the time comes when Tiger is forced to move on or decides to move on, where does the tour go because I don't see their marketing machine promoting any of these other guys.
1: Well, you're seeing them do it with Jordan and JT and and Rory. Those those guys Scheffler's in their latest ads, but the thing that that puts Tiger front and foremost here is it's a major. He's won there. You know, blew everybody away. And then he's the Austin Powers of this event. He's the international man of mystery. <laughs> you don't know at what point he may have to check out of this thing. Every step of the way is analyzed. We're going to see every shot as we always have. And, and and the the hope is that he's there on the weekend. He's always moved the TV needle. And the hope is that on Sunday, he's in the last half a dozen 10 groups and that we might see something akin to Nicholas in 86.
0: So, Rob, which players are you expecting to see at the top of the leaderboard come uh, Sunday afternoon?
1: Well, I always pick a guy I think that's going to win. And then I pick someone that I think might be a dark horse to win. So I always pick a tongue-in-cheek one that's not really tongue-in-cheek, and I pick one so I think is the guy, let's just go with the guy, I think Justin Thomas. He's been hanging out with Tiger, and he's been just asking Tiger every question about the old course. So if there's anybody that's walked this place and seen it and had Tiger tell him about little, little nuances and hollows and humps and bumps and angles, JT's got a little insider trading information that could provide beneficial as the tournament goes on. And of course, he's one of the top players and has been. Got a major under his belt, so his pressure tank is full. He won't see anything that makes him get nervy over a shot that he hasn't seen already this year. So he's the guy, a guy that's been over there for a few weeks. Billy Horschel just won at Memorial. He's been over there playing. He's got you know everything under his belt from having been there for a couple of weeks. Let's see if Billy can do it at the old course. I like his game, love his golf swing, and. He might be the guy that all of a sudden you go, wow, it's Billy Horschel's turn to win a major. Here he comes.
0: So, Rob, when Louis Oesthason won there at St. Andrews in 2010, his winning score was 16-under. Zach Johnson won it there in 2015. It was 15-under when he won. What do you think the winning score is going to be? Are we going to see it right around that 15-16-under? Do you think it's higher do you think it's lower?
1: Well, what was interesting was one of the caddies said, there were no less than 15 holes that they could reach in one, 15 holes, five holes that they could reach in one. So if things stay as they are, you've got five holes where you can drive it up by the green. You know, you expect to birdie three of those four. So now all of a sudden effective par is 68. You know, you look at that, that's 16 under right there, and you haven't made any other birdies or, or a bogey here or there. I think you're in the ballpark. I think if I'm pegging it up, I'm thinking I gotta shoot a Louis number, and if I get a little bit past that I gotta feel good about it.
0: Rob, let's switch gears a little bit. You're into season number four of the Golf Kingdom. For those who aren't familiar with your show, talk about what they're gonna see when they start tuning in.
1: Well the Golf Kingdom basically is a golf instruction program unlike any other. It's it's a variety show. We do Get We do some great graphics with green screen and and overlays and stuff to help make what we're trying to tell you to help your game memorable. I can stand up there and talk about how to fix a slice or how to fix a shank and demonstrate it and give you the drill to do. But if I do it with a memorable catchphrase or a song lyric or some sort of getup that we've got on and it makes you remember it, we kind of tie it to that memory and it hauls itself along and you're able to translate the movement to something you remember and we get you going from there. But we have a lot of fun on the show. You know, one of the things that my favorite comment from our viewers is you look like you're having fun. You make it fun. And I love watching it because of that.
0: So speaking of it being like a variety show, talk about what are some of your favorite segments that you've put together so far this season?
1: Oh my gosh. Well, um, you know, our, our favorite segments are always our cold opens where we parody something. We've had uh a cold open where they forgot to plug me in overnight and my battery wears down as I'm opening the show and they argue with who is supposed to plug me in and they gotta plug me in and recharge me and you know, we do all we've done Indiana Jones parodies and um we just filmed one that's like the office. We've done the ESPN Y two K where they did the Y two K test and everything blew up. Um, we've done all kinds of fun stuff there um instruction wise on the show, gosh, we've done so much stuff. It's hard to put it in into memory as to what we've done. We've got an all white set where we do a lot of clever stuff. Where I have a suit that is half black half white that when I get in that and get on the all white set, you're really able to see the body segments move clearly. That one's always a fan favorite that we've done um. The Golf Kingdom Library is a good one where we use the PGA Tour vault book, which is an amazing book of images from the PGA Tour. And we, we green screen that. So the book is full screen behind me. Looks like I'm standing in the book and I'm talking about the image of Tiger at impact or this bunker shot and how this image looks or we did one with Arnold Palmer and his finish. Um, that's, that's been one I've gotten a lot of positive feedback on because the images are so rich and they come through on the, on the green screen and have me standing on them looks really, really cool.
0: Rob, I got a little glimpse under the tent about a really great guest that you have coming up, someone I've had the privilege of spending some time with here recently. Are you able to share who that is?
1: We did uh, yesterday we filmed, and uh, a good friend of mine, Michael Breed, was kind enough to come on and do a guest segment with us. And, And I always joke, Mike, Michael's a little bit like me or a lot like me, actually. We're both wind-up toys. You wind us up and we keep going like the Energizer Bunny. So he's an easy interview. You you come up with a couple of good questions and you let him go. And and when I do guest interviews on my show, like when I had Colin Montgomery on, I sit down and I put a lot of thought into it because I want to ask questions and I want to ask questions that never been asked before. And so that's what I did with Michael. I went, okay, he gets asked all this stuff. I want to ask him stuff he's not asked all the time. And we did that, and boy, we got going, and what was supposed to be an eight-minute segment ended up being 14, and we had a lot, of, a lot of fun. But, you know, I asked Colin Montgomery, I said, what's the best shot you've hit nobody knows about? And he said, the first shot I ever hit in the Ryder Cup. He said, I got up there, and Bernard Longer was my partner, and he said, Monte, I'll go first. And he said he hit it so far left that the ball was was wrapped in bacon, his dog couldn't have found it. And he said he got up there with his partner, absolutely dead, and just put one right down the middle of the fairway. He said, that's the best shot I've ever hit that nobody knows about. So same thing with Michael. We had a blast. We laughed. We carried on. We talked golf. And um, just, you know, we talked about things that he doesn't get asked a lot, which made it even more fun.
0: Rob, I got to get your thoughts on this whole live golf thing. How do you feel about what we're seeing And the rumors are that more players are going to head over to that tour after the Open is over and even more after the FedEx Cup playoffs are over. What are your thoughts about what's going on?
1: I'm going to take your question and come back at you with questions, okay? Because the PGA Tour is getting hammered for their response, as is the DP World Tour and everybody responding, even the RNA this week, hammered for not inviting Norman to everything. Let me ask you a question, Chris. You ready? Sure. How much, do you, how much do you pay me to be on your show? Nothing. Nothing. Why do I come on your show?
0: To promote what you're doing and just because we're friends, I'm sure.
1: I come on your show because I love your show and I love Chris and I enjoy hanging out with you and doing this. It's, I don't care if we even talk about where I'm located or what I'm doing. I love talking about golf. I love golf. I love, I love competitive golf. I come on your show to talk golf. That's the only reason. I Not the only reason, because I, I love Chris carol. I come on because I love golf. Okay? So let me ask you this question. What if someone said they were going to pay all your guests $5 million, and their goal was to take away your show and put you off the air forever? How would you respond to that?
0: Yeah, Not well. I promise you that.
1: Not well. So everybody's criticizing the PJ Tour for their response. But Greg Norman has said his goal is to take away and just kill off the PGA Tour. He said, his goal is to kill it. And I'm going to take all your players, and I'm going to pay them. I'm going to take them. So, remember, I'm Sicilian, Chris. I'm not (laughs) Italian. I'm Sicilian. (laughs) You know, it's going to be hard for me to walk by Ian Poulter's courtesy car and not let the air out of his tires or (laughs) Kepka or Justin Johnson. And you think I'm joking. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be tough to not walk by it and leave them a little note on their windshield or say something to them. I'm Sicilian, okay? So uh-huh. the PJ Tour's response is logical. You, you're going to try to p- put us out of business and steal our players? Well, no, let me respond to that. Now, the whole DOJ antitrust thing, they're getting hammered on social media for that. The mistake everybody makes, I think, is this. They think the PJ Tour is making these decisions just off the cuff. Just in one second we're going to respond to this. No one thinks they've got a a legal panel of lawyers, some of the most high priced, smartest legal guys on the planet, and they're not sitting around going, What can we legally do per our charter and our bylaws and our membership rules? Well, we can do this. If we do this, are we in legal jeopardy? Yes or no? Easy black and white answer. No. Okay, then that's on the table. We can do that. So my opinion is that they're behind closed doors with their attorneys for the tour, going. What's our response to this? Because they're trying to to kill off the PGA tour. So as it relates to the Liv, I look at it this way, and I don't give a. I don't give a lot of weight to the Saudi thing. Everybody's on the Saudi thing, but they're not the only crappy country on the planet that's full of a bunch of bad people. So forget the Saudi thing. Here's my point on the LIV. One of the smallest books in the world is Best Friends of Greg Norman. So number one thing is Greg Norman's not a beloved character, not at all. And his, his stated goal, like I just mentioned, was to get rid of the PGA Tour. He's been on that looked for ways to do that numerous times so he's the snidely whiplash of golf so to, to get in bed <laughs> with him you're going I don't I don't mind getting in bed with the worst person on the planet or the worst person in golf so the guys that have joined him really aren't the best guys in golf you know another small book best friends of Kepka, DeChambeau, DJ, Kevin Na, Patrick Reed, those guys are all loners, which is what the L in LIV stands for,
2: loners. <laughs>
1: um, another point I want to make, um, Graham McDowell said this. He said, I don't wake up and feel proud of myself every day. I knew what the consequences were going to be. I just didn't realize how heavy this was going to be hammered, trying to answer questions with our, which are unanswerable. Well, is that you know that's going to be the issue. You know that's going to be a hammer to your brand because you're your brand as the tour player. You know you're going to have to deal with that. Maybe you ought to go, you know what? No amount of money is worth dealing with that. I'm happy being Graham McDowell and having Nona Blue Restaurant, and people love going there. Now, I go to Nona Blue every time I'm at the TPC Sawgrass. I love their their bone-in pork chop and mashed potatoes with the little applesauce on the side. Remember, I'm Sicilian. (laughs) Guess where I'm not eating anymore? Yeah, right? No one of blue. I mean, I'm Sicilian. I'm mafia. It's hard for me to not hold a grudge. There's a lot of better restaurants that I can go find. So if I've got to answer questions about my brand and they're unanswerable, I, I don't want that. I'm going to play golf and have fun. Um, here's the last point, and this goes to being a player. The PGA Tour is a very small bus. It's 200 seats. That's it. You look at the stats, and there's like 200 players in the stats that are, that are full-time out there. Small bus. Players ask me all the time, how do you get on the PGA Tour? And I say this, when it's time to take someone's seat, you have the courage to send a veteran home who's won the PGA Tour and you take his seat on the bus and you say, sorry, it's my time. Here's what you've got going on right now, Chris. You've got guys willingly giving up their seat on the bus going, I'm just going to get off the bus now and I may not be able to get back on. Or you've got guys like, like Peter Uline and these, these college kids going, I'm going to avoid the PGA Tour bus. I'm not even going to try to get a seat on it, knowing I can't come back around and get a seat on it. The talent pool is deep. There's a 1,000 guys that could be the, the mid-level PJ Tour players and up. Maybe not stars, but they're the guys that'll win a couple times, win once, and have long careers out there. There's a lot of them, I, a couple of them. They just couldn't get that seat when they needed to. The, that that I was one of those guys. That talent pool is deep. And now you're just getting off the
2: bus. That, to me, is a gigantic mistake.
0: So as a Sicilian, looking two, three years down the road, let's say this whole lifting falls apart. They lose interest, whatever. Is there a and road back, back you know, for the guys that have gone? <laughs> What's that? Is there a road back for the guys that have gone over there?
2: And if I'm the commissioner, no. You're out. You made your bed, sleep in it. No. Not a chance. You turned your back on the tour,
1: and, you know, Pat Perez, it's about the money. I'm out of here. Good, Pat. Bye. See ya. You won't be missed. Another another one of the guys that no one likes. And I've been around Pat. so. No one likes Perez. One of the most uncomfortable things. Did you see the video of the private jet going over there from I Portland? Did. Yes, was Pat Perez dancing around by himself and everybody ignoring him, and we <laughs> we are the champions playing. If you remember what I said, everybody on that plane doesn't like each other. Some of them have lots of bad blood,
2: and they're all yep. on the same plane together. I thought it was. Hysterical!
0: are
2: <laughs> no,
0: out. I... Rob, before I let you go, my friend, let our listeners know how can they stay up to date with what's going on with the Golf Kingdom, with you, and follow you on social media as well.
1: On social media, you know, if you if you go if you go out there on Instagram, Twitter, on Facebook, the Golf Kingdom TV show is out there. Uh, a bunch of stuff is there. We have an app for the TV show. If you go to your app store and type in Golf Kingdom, you'll, you'll, see, the, <clears throat> you'll see the red logo for the Golf Kingdom. Download the app. There's a daily feed for me there. All the TV shows are there. The, the segments are broken down into a library where you can go look at on course, full swing, chipping, putting, uh, course management, fun stuff. There's a bunch of great stuff there about the show along with some discounts. For uh, for downloading the AMP the app um, and then uh, Strano Golf online for the uh, the academy here in Destin, Florida.
0: Rob, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. You always make this segment so much fun, my friend. I hope we get the privilege of catching up with you again soon.
1: Well, I look forward to it. And you know what? Thanks for getting me off show 13. I'm already starting to feel better. <laughs> I can almost feel my hair growing back. And the hangnails are
2: gone.
1: And I think, wait a second, I'm looking outside. Oh, hook, my dog's coming back across the street. He's coming home. You, you, you've you, totally cured the 13th onto the 14th. Thank you so much, Chris.
0: You bet, Rob. Take care, my friend. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, Chris. See you, Rob. That is Rob Strano, S T R A N O. Strano Golf is the website. He's got a lot of great content on there. You can find a lot more on YouTube and then the golf kingdom is a lot of fun, folks. Uh he, he sort of undersold it, I think. You know, not only is it a great show to watch and you're gonna learn a bunch, like you said, it's uh you're gonna laugh a little bit, uh, and you're gonna learn a lot. So Rob is uh just one of the most outstanding people that you get to meet in this life and uh, and clearly I would not if I was one of those Live Golf guys, I would not let you know which one of those courtesy cars. Is mine or where my uh, golf clubs were or anything else if Rob were around. So words of the wise, look out for strano. All right. Now back in next on the tee and making his 11th appearance on the show is 2013 senior open champion and, and now one of the top instructors in the game as well. And that's Mark Wiebe. Let me remind you about Mark's background. He's from Seaside, Oregon and grew up in Escondido, California, played his college golf first at Palomar Junior College and then at San Jose State. While at Palomar, he was the individual medalist at the 1977 California Amateur, and he also won the, the Idaho Amateur that same year as well. He was a second-team All-American in 1970, uh, 1979 at San Jose State. That season, he and Don Levin won the Silverado Invitational in Napa, California. He turned pro in 1980 and started out on the PGA Tour in 1983, got his first career win. At the 1985 Anheuser-Busch Classic when he beat our friend John Mahaffey with a birdie on the first playoff hole. Mark won again the following year at the 1986 Hardy's Golf Classic, this time by one shot over Kurt Byrum thanks to a birdie that Mark made on 17 during the final round. Mark matched Bobby Watkins for the record for being the youngest winner on the Champions Tour at 50 years, 10 days old when he won the SAS Championship. 2013, like I mentioned, he won the Senior Open Championship at Royal Birkdale, defeating Bernard Longer on the fifth playoff hole. After Mark shot a final round 66 to get in that playoff. Later in 2013, he captured the Pacific Links Hawaii Championship in a playoff over Corey Pavin. In all, he won he won eight times as a professional, twice on the PGA Tour, five times on the Champions Tour, plus the 1986 Colorado Open. He's a wonderful guy, and I'm thrilled to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Mark, thanks for coming back on the show.
3: Chris, thank you so much. What a great introduction. Thank you. Flattered.
0: Mark, I want to start by congratulating you and your son, Gunner. He Monday qualified last week to get into the Barbasol Championship, finished the tournament 11-under. Talk about the status of his game.
3: Wow, so Gunnar's been playing pretty good for a while uh ironically as golf goes this is the the, his worst hitting as far as the golf goes uh striking of the ball being solid uh being in control of your curve what this was not his finest hour of that but i will say uh to get the job done sometimes you just play golf and you know you hit it and you go get it you hit it again and you know, there's a lot of work involved, uh, but I, I know that he struggled with his ball striking as far as solid and which then tends to not, you're not pin high very often, don't have a lot of short putts. And then with his driver, he was struggling and only had just one ball to hit and he said it was a slice. Uh, so it's funny how golf goes. He's, he's had a couple of these, he's had to pre qualify, which is kind of weird, but, uh, He's had to pre-qualify to get into the Monday qualifier. In fact, for this tournament, he shot seventy in the pre-qualifier to get into the Monday qualifier, and then shot sixty-five. And uh, and he said he hit it, he hit it decent that day, but he just had a lot of putts, and he he made seven, so he had uh, a bogey three sixty-five, which is always nice, and it kind of gives you a little mojo going into the week. Uh, but uh, you know what, eleven under is what he finished. And I thought I was pretty proud of him doing that with uh, not your best <laughs> and kind of standing on a tee shot. not sure where it's going to go, but you got to suck it up and hit it sometimes. And, you know, and like I said, go get it. So the shape of his game, I think, is good as far as his playing the game. Uh, we worked today for three hours and we're going to work again tomorrow morning, uh, probably for another two or three hours here in Phoenix and try to get his swing a little bit more comfy for him so he can go
0: and do another Monday qualifier. So what are his plans now for the rest of the golf season?
3: Well, there's not many tournaments left. I know that if he can get his game in shape, he has the Monday qualifier in Minneapolis. Um, and that is coming up. I think that might be next week as a matter of fact. And then, uh, the Colorado Open is around the corner uh as well, and then I'm not sure I you know he kind of has his schedule and i he just tells me where he's going, and you know, can you help me with this or that so um uh, I just know of those two things he's got the Monday qualifier, he's got the Colorado open and and then whatever happens after that, I'm sure he'll be somewhere trying to do something.
0: Mark changing gears a little bit. It's Open Championship week. You got to play in a few Opens in 97, 01 and 2014 and then I believe in eight more senior Opens as well. Talk about what it's like being a part of an Open Championship.
3: Well, I think it's incredible. It's uh, you know, out of all the tournaments that I've ever played in um Obviously that's probably the most international one, not just the players, but the gallery and all the different languages you hear, uh, at the, at the giant tent where you're buying all the merchandise or out on the, out on the course somewhere. It's kind of a very unique, uh, atmosphere. And, you know, it's also spiritual since we're playing over kind of where golf originated close to, if not right there. Um, so you have the spiritual concept too. And then uh it's a different kind of golf for Americans uh, that, you know, you're, we used to on TV, watching the ball hit by the hole, take a bounce, maybe, and then spin. Or sometimes the players will even play it long on a hole and spin it back to the hole. Uh At the, at the British or at the open, you just, you might hit that shot every now and then, but I, I think there's so much more golf played on the ground over there and closer to the ground, um, which then creates a whole new learning experience. You have to know what the ground is doing short of the green, what it's doing off the tee. If there's bumps and, and knobs and moguls, uh, you got to know where they are, uh, cause you may not want to land on the downside of one of those on, One time and then another time, you may want to try to land on the downside of one of those to get past all the trouble. So, uh, they're not all the same, but I will tell you, I think the theme is the same. And we just there's a lot of uh, shots that you play closer to the ground and and you a little bit more released and run out rather than those big spinning shots, which you'll still see on shots into the wind with some lofted clubs. But as far as downwind and stuff, I don't think you're going to see unless they get torrential rains. You're not going to see a lot of that going on.
0: Mark, you, you sort of alluded to a strategic kind of thinking that you've got to do over there that's different than playing over here. Talk about the mindset change you have to go through when playing links golf so that, to your point, you don't end up bouncing off into you know, a huge amount of trouble, and it's not necessarily. You mentioned the ground; it's, it's not an air game like we see here. Talk about how you have to change your mindset when you're going to play links golf. Yes,
3: yeah. well, um, on, we all get those yardage books, obviously, so we know how far the 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 pitfalls are or the pits. <laughs> there's there's sometimes there are some bunkers that when you get in, you may not even be able to swing. Or definitely not advance it. You may have to go backwards. So obviously you're not afraid of those, but you do plan accordingly and take those for me. I took those out of the game. So for instance, in 2013, when I won at Royal Burkdale for the week, I hit it in one fairway bunker and I was so proud of myself for negotiating the wind, the rollout you're getting, you know, as the course moves on to Saturday and Sunday it becomes firmer and harder and boundier and uh you have to take that into account when you're doing your math if you have 300 yards to a bunker that if you get it in you may not be able to go forward you might have to go backwards well I'm not going to get to that bunker so my strategy is to play short and I don't care uh anything on, on that shot that particular shot I'm not thinking about anything else then keeping that short. And, you know, I, I, I remember being in a college tournament with, uh, somebody named Dan Weisskopf and it was Tommy's little brother, Dan. And I remember Tom came out to watch him and we were a twosome. So I'm strutting the fairway with Tom Weisskopf. Uh, another story, but one of the things he said <laughs> to me that day is if you're, we were talking about laying up and he said, if you're going to lay up, lay up. Don't lay up into the trouble. Meaning if it's a three or four iron, hit the four. If it's a six or seven iron, hit the seven. Don't even risk it because you're already laying up to play this type, this brand of golf. So don't, don't even bring that into consideration. So I, I think, um, I, I believe that now that's the way I played and the way we used to play it. Now you have players that are flying the ball 300 yards and beyond. So there's some going to be some holes that they're going to fly maybe all of those little pot bunkers that are off the tee. They might have to be careful with little pot bunkers at at the old course here that are sprinkled from the fairway where you hit your tee shot up to the green. There's a couple oddball little bunkers that you – they may have to watch out for not the ones off the tee originally, but they're so long. And from what I understand, the course is really bounding. So they're going to have to really play their own strategy, um, which might include a lot of drivers and it might not. I, who knows? You see guys that can really drive their ball. I, I Unless you're going to reach some trouble that you couldn't reach with another club, I see no reason not to take advantage of your strength. So, all those come into play when you're, you know, getting ready to play in any event, let alone a major. You definitely are coming up with a game plan that might change the weather. Uh, could be something big that makes you change your game plan. Um, soft or hard conditions. And the wind direction. Um, my first British Open ever uh, was at Troon. The first hole, the first day, I hit four iron. And I hit a baby sand wedge into the green and the next day I hit a driver off the tee, same hole and hit a seven iron to the green. So wow. the wind, the wind direction means a, a whole bunch and it may not change. Um, or it, it might lull. We, we don't know what's going to happen over there. Right? I understand that it's warm for over there. They're going to have some nice weather, but the wind direction, you'll see guys. I'm sure that we'll hit it in the rough on some holes purposely just to have the angle to the pin of where the pin is located that day. So if the pin's back right and you know you can't get it close out of the fairway because the ball's running too much, then you might try to drive it way left on a hole as long as there's no, you know, like I said, there's there's going to be danger everywhere. But if you can avoid the danger, you're going to take the angle to the hole way more than you're going to take fairway over rough in some cases.
0: So having said all of that, who who are the guys that you expect to be on the top of the leaderboard come late Sunday afternoon?
2: Wow.
3: Um hmm. you know, I'd have to probably go back and look at who's played well uh at the old course, but you know, As much as I root for the Americans all the time, I, I always, when I think about golf over there, I think about their best international players. I think about Hideki has been playing well. Uh, I think about Dustin Johnson, who I think always, always has a shot with his game. He always has a shot at winning. Uh, and I don't know who my outlier. I'd watch out for somebody that's a youngster that you just may not know about that comes out of nowhere. That happens a lot too. so I don't have an overall pick. I would probably say, uh, I guess I'd have to look at the list, but um, I, I mean, one of my favorite golfers to watch is uh, Justin Thomas. I, I just I enjoy him, and you know, I work with my son so I can appreciate he's working with his dad. And always has, and, uh, there's probably a, uh, something about that that draws me to him, but I really like the way he plays. I like, he's feisty. Um, he puts his head to the, his nose to the grindstone. He doesn't back off of anything. And, uh, it's apparent and winning means a lot to him, which is also super apparent. And all those qualities make up a guy that I really enjoy watching. So. I'll always root for him. I know the better you are and the higher you're ranked. And when people start talking about you being a contender at the open, it's harder to play. So guys like that, if they can just stick to their game plan and uh, go play golf and, and not get wrapped up into obviously how cool it would be to win the British open, uh, or the open, whatever we want to call that. Um, I, I think that that's, you know, we all dream about certain tournaments and I, I would imagine, uh, there's a lot of good visuals, uh, for those younger guys. Jordan spieth has been playing well. Um, you know, he's pretty good putter. So, uh, man, there's, they seem like this the pick of everyone, but those, those would be my, my, my favorite guys probably to watch and to, and to root for.
0: Switching gears, Mark, I want to get your thoughts on Live Golf. If Greg Norman had showed up with a check for some ridiculous amount of money back when you were playing on the PGA Tour, would it have been hard to turn down?
3: Um. Yeah, and I'm not so sure I would have turned it down. Um, I, I think that we all get a little bit lost um, in the fact that not everybody plays golf on the tour to be the best in the world. And I, I will be the first one to admit it. I played golf for a living because I was pretty good at it and I wanted to be the best I could be always, but I never had visions of being the best golfer in the world ever. And I I don't think I'm a bad person for that. So when I, when I hear some of the golfers talk like they're offended or, or golfers turn their back on them, uh, to go to the live tour, I, I just couldn't disagree more. I think you can do whatever you want. You don't have to be judged by everyone. If you want to play there, then go play there. I think you should be able, personally, uh I think you should be able to play wherever you want. If you want to play the live one week and the tour the next, and the DP World Tour, I, and then one in the uh, the European Tour. I, I just don't see anything wrong with that because you're bringing – you're, you're bringing some golf expertise to whatever tournament you're playing in. And Bud, you know, and I know we're in the day and age of expansion and sports and the tour is getting smaller. The fields are shorter. We used to play 156 every week we could. And now we're playing limited players. And in the meantime, we have kids coming, boys and girls coming to the tour that are awesome players, but there's no room because the tour is getting smaller. You might make the tour. They give a lot of cards out, but some of those guys will never play. There's no guarantee to even get in a tournament if you make the tour. So someday there's got to be another tour because we need to expand. I, I would love for it to be the PGA Tour expanding and having another afl nfl type deal who knows i'm guessing but uh i would love i would love for that to happen because it's not fair to like kids like my son who's he could go make the tour tomorrow and that'd be believe me that would be awesome but to go through the qualifying school it's not even for the tour for the corn ferry, and then you got to spend time on the corn ferry if you get in and you got to do this and that to get onto the tour and those guys also don't have a guarantee because our fields are getting shorter. We even struck the FedEx Cup down from 125 to 70 to start. Everything's becoming smaller, yet there's a billion golfers coming to the, trying to make the tour every year. So I know you didn't ask for that. But that's my two cents. I don't have any animosity against any of those guys. I love Phil Mickelson as much as I ever have. I, I can't believe he won the PGA. something. It's just that's incredible i played with him when he was a junior uh so i i don't dislike dustin johnson for going to the live if that's what he wants i don't think he's turning his back on the tour he's just taking a new opportunity and and going with it and i'm not going to condemn anybody for that They're they're good people still
0: mark before i let you go for our listeners that would love to get a lesson From Mark Weeby. How can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing? Find you online and find you on social media.
1: Well, so I I do
3: some Instagram and that is, uh, I think just Mark Weeby and I think it's at Mark Weeby for Instagram. I also do a little bit of, uh, Twitter, not much. Um, my website is markweebygolf.com. You can go on, get my email and Email me and come get a lesson. I'm now teaching at Rio Verde Country Club in Rio Verde, Arizona. Uh really nice spot, thirty six holes, nice range, good short game area, uh great place to come and get a lesson. And uh love love for people to come out. I'm that's all I do now. I can't play anymore. I'm I've got too many injuries, but I still teach and still love it. Absolutely.
0: Well, Mark, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your afternoon to come back and be a part of the show. You're always so much fun to talk to. I hope we get the uh, privilege of catching up with you again soon.
3: Chris, you're awesome. And thanks for reminding me. This was number 11. Oh, my God. I'm too (laughs) old to be on your show 11 times.
0: (laughs) Not at all. You're fantastic, my friend. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, buddy. See you, Mark. That is the great Mark Wiebe. MarkWiebeGolf.com is the website. He is out there at Rio Verde Country Club in Rio Verde, Arizona. If you're out that way, why wouldn't you go get a lesson from a guy who is a senior Open champion and all the great things that Mark achieved over the course of, of his playing career? He's a fantastic guy, uh, a great teacher, and just like I say, just one of the best people that I've had the opportunity to spend some time with. I look forward to catching up with Mark again soon. Before I get to my next guests, Dwayne Horton, Bill Bergen, and Reese Jones, I want to remind you about a few of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Adele Golf. Is your driver adjustable? Of course it is. How about your irons? Didn't think so. Adele's new SMS irons give you adjustability in an iron to match your swing. These new irons come with three weights lined up across the back of the club by moving the heavyweight to the heel, center, or toe location You can match the club to your swing instead of vice versa. The result? Total control of the club face for more distance and accuracy. Your irons can't do this. Check them out online by going to adelgolf.com. I also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Squares Golf. Are you like me, always considering new golf equipment? Maybe a new driver? Well, let me reset your thinking because I discovered Squares Golf Shoes. The patented Squares toe provides balance, stability, and a wider base for increased connection to the ground, effectively increasing your swing speed by 2.2 miles per hour and an average of nine yards of distance. Independent testing proves it. That's right. It's proven in science. Go to squares.com, get the Squares 30 day money back guarantee and use promo code distance to get $20 off. Remember distance comes from swing speed and swing speed comes from your connection to the ground. Squares, the distance golf shoe. Okay, now joining me here on Next on the T are three of the top influencers in the game of golf, and that's Bill Bergen, Reese Jones, and Dwayne Horton. You guys hear me bragging on what a great course the McLemore is every single week here on the show, and what a wonderful experience. And my buddies and I have had the last two years going up there for our annual golf trip. Well, tonight I get to have... Two gentlemen who co-designed the course, Bill Bergen and Reese Jones, plus the CEO of the development company and the resort itself with me, Dwayne Horton. And I couldn't be more excited about that because there is a lot of great stuff going on up there at Macklemore. Bill, thanks for coming back on the show. Reese, thanks for being here. Dwayne, it's always great having you as part of the show. Hey, Chris. Hello,
4: Chris. Thanks for having us. Hey,
0: Chris. Always good to talk to you. I appreciate you, Bill. Dwayne, I want to start with you. There are some very exciting things going on up there at MacLamore. When my buddies and I were there, we could see the new putting course taking its final stages of being completed. And then a lot of construction going on just after the first uh, tee and fairway. Uh, then you got the, bit, the band back together with Phil and Reese. So update us. What's going on?
4: Oh, we've got a lot of great things going on above the clouds. We've, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, think uh, that when we got the 18th finish, we were just kind of wrapping up, but we were really just getting going. Uh, you know, being able to work together again with Bill and Reese, uh, they did such an amazing job for us with the redesign that we have. We built one new hole. That was the 18th because we needed room uh, for the clubhouse to go on the old 18th hole. Um, we did add the short course there beside it. And then on. Uh, the other side, we did just recently open the putting course, like you said, and it's it's open with a with a bang as well. Uh, but we do have some big news to share tonight. Uh, this is our first public announcement. You've been really great with us. Uh, but we are now launching our next 18 holes at McLemore. Uh, we would not have been able to do it without the success, again, of the collaboration of Bill and Reese um, on the first one. But our tee sheets are filled uh, many days. We have a, a Hilton Curio Collection Hotel that's going to open in about 18 months. And we just don't have enough room uh, for all of our guests and friends uh, and members that are playing. So uh, we are starting the new 18 holes, and uh, it's going to be named the Outpost at Macklemore.
0: So, Dwayne, to that end, right, as you talk about the T-sheet be- being filled up, is that what led to the, the need for a second 18 holes? Was eight, was another 18 always something that you wanted to do, or was just it, the overwhelming demand led you in this direction?
4: It was a combination of things. I wish I could say it was part of the original plan, um, um, but it really is based on the overwhelming response that we've had um, for people wanting to come and play. Um and while, uh, you know, while we do have uh, uh something unique in the game of golf, uh you know, a lot of people have played mountain courses. Uh, this is really something different. It's not in the mountains. It's on top of the mountain. And, uh, you know, with our friends, our members, our guests have just shared the word. Uh, they wanted to share the experience with others. And we have many people that have, uh, you know, played multiple times a year with destination trips from all over the country. We now have people traveling internationally to come see us. So it really is the demand and the new homes that we're building, the new memberships that we're selling, um, and the uh 245 room Hilton Curio Collection Hotel that we is under construction now and is going to open, uh, the demand that that's going to bring along with it. But this. This property that we're talking about tonight, and I really look forward to Bill and Reese sharing on this. When, when we found this property, I'd had my eye on it for a while. Uh, when I first saw it, I didn't really think golf course, but after building, um, having the opportunity to work with Bill and Reese on the existing course and just, you know, the experience that that was of a lifetime to then lay my eyes on this new property with a, you know, new lens. This property is, um, it kind of demands that it be a golf course. And I, again, I think Reese and Bill with their experience will be able to speak to that better. Uh, I think, uh, I, I love seeing, uh, their eyes open and, uh, the smiles in their faces when they first step foot on property. But, uh, this property really demands it. And I think it's going to be unbelievably, um, well received in the golf, uh,
2: in the game of golf.
0: Bill, it's hard to imagine that you could one-up yourselves with a a second golf course up there. So to Duane's point, how does the second piece of property compare to what you had to work with at Macklemore?
5: Well, great question, but I'd like to just start out with talking about the 18th hole at Macklemore. And all of us know that if we didn't build that golf hole and people didn't like it as well as they do. We would not be discussing what we're discussing right now. So, um, you know, the Macklemore property is a really exciting place. We, we just had some of the guys who are a golf professional to stream song there last week and they sent me a note how about how much they loved it. And that's, that's nice, you know, a nice compliment when it's coming from guys who are at. Dream song, which is a 54 hole destination golf resort, which leads us to the outpost. So as you asked kind of questions about with Dwayne about, you know, the need for that golf course. Well, I think as soon as that hotel started coming out of the ground, we all knew that we needed, we needed that. We want to be that place that you go, um, and want to stay. And the outpost, I describe it very simply as, a fabulous golf course that you could have anywhere in the country. And we just happen to be able to place it right next to the edge of a mountain that has made Macklemore, uh, what it is today. So we, we've got the entire golf course just placed on the edge of that mountain with five holes right on the cliff edge. And it's, it's just hard to describe. I was there two hours ago and I tell people that when I'm there, I never want to leave. And my assistant Matt was with me and I always tell him, Hey, we've got to go because we're going to be on Chris's show. And he never believes in me because we're always late because we never want to leave the property and it, it's that good. And it's just, it's just asking for a golf course, like Dwayne said. And, and uh, I can't wait for Reese to see what I saw today because it was something brand new, uh, because we're just starting to expose the property, but it's just, he's going to be so excited as soon as he sees it on Friday.
0: And, Reese, as as Bill talks about the 18th hole, do you feel any added pressure to make sure the second course lives up to what you did with McLemore? Because that 18th hole, like like, uh, Bill was talking about, has been recognized as one of the top finishing holes in all of golf. Does that put pressure on you guys to live up to that?
2: I think maybe uh, that's a good
6: point. However, I think that – you know, Dwayne and Bill, we all worked as a team, and Dwayne and gave us that land for that 18th hole, and then by Lynx magazines it's ranked in the top 10 finishing holes in the world, so that's a pretty good credential. I think that 18th hole, as Bill points out, will bring people from all over the world to more because uh, they go to Pebble Beach to play the 7th hole, so they go to Danzante Bay of the course they built Mexico to play the 17th hole, so I think that attracts them, but I don't think there's a lot of pressure. I think the land, as Bill points out, is so spectacular. I've been on the property, but I haven't been on it when he's opened it up. So the views are going to be so spectacular. Uh, The long views down to the valley from just about every hole. And it'll it'll be an unbelievable golf experience and a phenomenal golf course because the land is just so suitable for natural, uh, you know, holes that really don't need to be messed with much. We have the streams and the rock outcrops, the gently flowing topos. We have the cliffside. side. Every hole is going to have a distinctive feature, but at the same time, it's really a minimalist design, which is really the old classic uh, golden age type design. So uh, I think we're very, very lucky with both courses.
0: And to your point about the land I believe Macklemore presented some challenges to you guys since it is on-lookout mountain. You had a lot of rock to move, dynamite your way to clearing some of the land for the golf course. Are you expecting more of those kinds of challenges this time around as well?
6: Well, actually, the soil is very good on the site. There's a good depth of the soil. I think we're going to be able to shape it uh, more easily than most mountain golf courses. A lot of mountain golf courses have holes that you have to force on the site because They're so rugged. I think what Dwayne brought out, this land suits itself to golf. Uh, It has to be a golf course. And the original 18 really fits the land so effectively. So it's an unusual mountain setting uh, on the top of the lookout mountain that really don't have any holes that are forced on any pieces of the property.
0: Bill, you talk about several of the holes as you plan out the second course being right there on the edge like we like we see at 18 at McLemore and right off the green on number one on the current golf course. Talk about the, the challenges of being right on the mountain's edge and producing, you know, holes that are going to be spectacular to look at, but probably even harder to play.
5: Yeah. So let me go back to what Reese just said about the, um how the land works. So I was out today on the entire front nine and there's there's not a center line post that you can't see from the playing position that you're about to play from to the next to the next post. You can practically see all of them at one time, all of them. And and so that's with no grading, Chris. That means that that golf course just lays on the property so beautifully that we really don't have to move much dirt. We, we do have rock. We have rock to deal with, but as Reese said, the soil quality is excellent. So we're really excited about that. And then you mentioned the five holes along the edge. Well, on the original 18th at Macklemore, we built that on a, you know, probably a 20%, 25% grade. It was about as steep as you can get in order to, you know, cut the right side, fill the left side and bench in a fairway. Con- contrasting to this golf course is the, the land right next to the edge is basically flat. And In fact, the ninth hole is probably 100 yards wide with very little elevation change from side to side, and that goes right along the edge. I was fooling around today thinking about names, and it just looks like a ridge runner. You're just running along the edge of the left ridge, but there's so much room. So I think people are going to feel actually really comfortable and excited at the same time.
0: Reese, when I see the drawings of the golf course, from the tips, the course is going to have eight holes that are over 500 yards, including the par 5 tenth hole that's going to measure somewhere around 630 yards. Is this, a course, combined with McLemore, something you could see a a Corn Ferry Tour, a PGA Tour, or an LPGA Tour event being played on?
6: Yeah, absolutely. I think what Dwayne and Bill and I have talked about is that we want this golf course to suit everybody's game we want the best in the world to want to come here and be challenged by it. We also want the beginners and the entry level golfers to have the proper key. And the site is going to be open. It's to be able to play the ground game as well as the aerial game. So I think this is sort of an old classic design that really enables golfers to play any kind of shot and diversified shots and and I think they'll play different angles as you're as Mark Levy was talking about St Andrews, I think it's going to be a pretty wide corridor. So I think on any given day, depending where the pin is, a lot of golfers will play certain side of the fairway to access the green or the pin position or the hole location, as they say today. So I I think that this is going to be a never-ending source of pleasure and uh, competitive spirit for anybody that plays it. And it's really designed for every caliber player.
2: Duane, similar
0: question to you. With these two championship courses, could you see... Something like we see at Pebble Beach every year where there's a championship contended across multiple courses? Could this be something similar? You know, um, we really,
4: first, we are building it for the pleasure of those that are going to be playing it on a regular basis. Um, You know, Bill um, and Reese both have done a tremendous job throughout their careers of of, uh, creating courses uh, that people love um, and enjoy. Um, obviously, with Reese's, uh, background, uh, you know, Bill's played in championship course, uh, events, including the British Open at St. Andrews, uh, that's coming up. Uh, Reese has probably designed more, you know, major courses than any other architect that's ever existed. Um, so to have both of them working together, while we are building it for the enjoyment of our members, our get, our overnight guests and friends, um, we are making sure that it, um, a um, tournament was to come there that it will be able to host it that we'll have the right corridors we'll have the right setup um and uh it'll uh, the strategy will be there to make it a very interesting as well as a, a beautiful venue and chris you know there's a couple of things i want to add uh, a couple of technical aspects but i think it really speaks uh to what we're doing with this property uh, you know, Bill and Reese have a design here that if you remove the dams that we're, uh, creating to store rainwater, we're moving well less than a foot of dirt over the entire site. Uh, on wow. it. it is laying that well. We are not moving. Uh, the land just lays so well. Um, you know, the, the most sacred, uh, the first rule of golf, uh, the most sacred rule is, you know, is play it as it lies. And we're applying that to the design of the course itself. We literally are laying out the holes and they have laid out the holes to where we don't have to move dirt. It it just works so well and when you play it, you're gonna feel like you are on the virgin land that this is built on and part of this mountain setting. And while we talk about an edge, I think Reese has done a fabulous job at this and our master planner talks about it all the time that people are drawn to the edge. Uh, you know, it makes you kinda Look outside of yourself and look beyond. Uh, but what's neat about this, it's not just where land meets sky. It's this irregular shape that adds this, uh, you know, micro level interest to it that literally shapes the greens and shapes the tea boxes and helps shapes the fairway. And with all of this that we're talking about being on a mountain, you know, nearly 1500 feet above the valley floor below, it's going to be a walkable course, uh, from the members tees. It's under a 5-mile walk and we're going to have less elevation change or topography than exists on Pebble Beach or Augusta National. It it's I don't know anything else in the game of golf that exists quite like this and we're I'm just beyond excited that our team um has been stewarded with this opportunity and we are really wanting to do the best job we can. Coming back to your question for everyone that plays it on a regular basis and also create something that could be a special tournament championship um, location if uh, it so worked out.
0: Bill, to Dwayne's point, you've played in several major championships and you played out on tour for for several years. So you've had a, a wealth of experience on what the greatest golf courses in the game are. Where do you put McLemore and, and the outpost now for your plans for the outpost uh, anyway? Where do you put those amongst some of the best that are out there?
5: Well, the first thing is I think that uh, Reese and I have a routing that is just excellent for this site. So picture uh, basically an amphitheater with five fingers that kind of move up up into a slight elevation. And each of those fingers you turn around and you get a reveal of the entire cove below you know and there's not a hole on the golf course that you won't see that so that's that's an we have an amazing gift with the property, and now it's up to us to to take what we've got because we we have everything we need in order to produce as interesting and exciting and playable golf courses as possible. We are stretching from seventy eight hundred to barely over four thousand. And we've got 300,000 square feet of tee space, which we normally have a 100. So there's such versatility with the design of this golf course. And then you mentioned St. Andrews. And one of the really cool strategic aspects of St. Andrews is you can hit the ball safely all day long. But you will never score as well if you do that. And at St. Andrews, you have to take a little risk on the outside um, which would be the right side on, on basically every hole. And if you take that risk, you encounter more bunkers, you encounter more gorse, you encounter more trouble, but you open up angles into the greens. And so my thought on this golf course, it's a big golf course. We're clearing 200 acres. There's plenty of room to play golf. But what we want to do is take this big golf course and yet make it play small. And, and that means Depending on hole location, you have this strategy. Next hole, you want to know where the golf. You want to look ahead. You want to pay attention to this golf course as you play it because it will reveal the proper way to play it that day. And we want it to be diverse every day. So it's it's the opportunity is just waiting for us. Obviously, we ha- we have excellent plans so far, but we haven't even started on greens plan, And there's nothing more important than the greens plans. Sort of, it's sort of everything about the golf course that matters. So we're getting. We're getting close to entering that stage, and we've got we've got a fun thing planned for that as well. So it's it's an exciting time.
0: Reece, same question to you. You certainly know what it's like to either design or go in and renovate championship level golf courses. Where does this piece of property fit for you?
6: Well, I think what's going on now in golf, especially with the USGA, thinking the uh, classic golf courses to sort of be there their ongoing site I think that's what we have. Bill and I have uh right now a piece of property that can create a a pre depression golf course. Uh that just plays well for everybody. Uh it's not not forced on the land. The land actually dictates the design. Uh so I think that that's why we're gonna really be able to build a uh classic style. And I think as Bill points out the angles are going to matter. We'll have diagonal greens, but like, uh of a, a way to access all the greens on the ground, uh, much like the old classic golf courses. Uh, Tillinghast Mackenzie, if, if you chose to go on the ground to the green, you don't actually go to the flag, but you're going to be on the surface in two putts. Uh, so I think we have the opportunity to build one of the great golf courses in the world on this site because the site is just that spectacular. And plus, we have the edge and the five holes are on the edge. It's almost like you're having the cliffs of Pebble Beach. On uh, a mountain site, so uh, you can't get that really anywhere else,
0: Duane, like we talked about at the top, you got the hotel going up, the houses that are available to be booked for stay and plays, the on-site restaurants, you got the short course, you got the Himalayas putting course. This is not only a golf destination with all of those wonderful things, but pretty soon companies are going to be able to come there for retreats, meetings, getaways. You got families and couples that are going to have a resort there that has more than just golf, by the way. Talk about what else is going to be there for visitors.
4: Yeah. Well, there's, you know, the great thing about Lookout Mountain, it was already, uh, you know, it's a scenic and historic destination. Um, there's, there's two national parks on the mountain. Uh, there's two of the best state parks, uh, um, in each state of Georgia and Alabama within just 15 minutes of the site. Uh, there's multiple land trusts that are protecting the land because of the natural beauty. I think, you know, all of these different agencies working together, including the state, one of the state's largest wildlife management areas, all these agencies working together to protect this land, I think, you know, should speak to the natural beauty that exists with, you know, 100-foot waterfalls and mountain streams and then uh, cliff edges that, uh, you know, the largest hang gliding school in the world, uh, exists on. Uh, there's, you know, the U.S. cycling competition literally ran on our highway, uh, that Macklemore is located on. We have an Ironman competition, an annual Ironman competition there every year. Uh, you know, some of the best caving, spelunking in the world, mountain climbing. Uh, there's, there's an unlimited amount of activity, uh, that can be done. And we're really creating. While everybody knows us for our golf, I think long term um, we're gonna really be something that people wanna share um, with their families, uh with their friends. Uh you can come here and rest and just soak up the views. Um, you know, again experience the sunrises, um, the the lights uh through the uh valley change throughout the day with cloud covers. You'll wake up some morning and you'll have a cloud cover below you covering the valley floor and it looks like an ocean of clouds. Um, you can sit there and relax and just uh you know recharge your batteries or you can come in here and have the adventure of your life um as well. So while we are golf and while we're wanting to do the best we can uh with what we're given, uh there's so much that we've already been blessed with um with this location that we're hoping we could share more of uh, as we continue to grow. We're we're working to it's one thing to have the facilities, but we're beginning to now hire people, create events. We have the songwriter series going on. Uh we have uh um, wine tastings and curated cocktails. We're gonna start uh having guided uh hike, uh mountain bike rides, uh creating concierge services that can put people together with um the local um groups that are already in place uh for horseback riding um and others and uh just really Continue to expand and, um, offer, uh, you know, share everything that this area has to offer with all of our members, um, and guests. And, you know, I do want to share with what we're doing with the outpost. We, we, we announced this internally to our friends, our members, our existing investors. And, um, we had three membership levels and the, um, uh, the highest membership level, uh, we're only going to have 125 founding members of this. Uh the rest of the play will be overnight uh guest rounds uh through the hotel or through our stay and play uh or accessed by our existing members uh but this hundred twenty five existing i mean uh founding members that we have at the highest level we've already sold out of that and are on a waiting list now and uh there's twenty five of those the next level uh at fifty uh we already have thirty two of those reserved um so we're just now making it public. Um and uh, there is an opportunity uh to still participate if there's anyone that would like to share but i appreciate you bringing that up chris there's so much while golf is big for us we're bringing the best in the business to again give us the best
6: uh, uh you know service and experience that we can offer we are so much more than just golf at the same time bill reese
0: one more for each of you and I- i'd be remiss if. That- Open Championship week, and Bill, we we mentioned the Open Championship that uh, that you were in, and you you were a part of there at St. Andrews. You shot the low round of the tournament. You shot a sixty-six. Talk about what you expect to see and what it was like uh, for you being a part of an Open Championship played at the home of golf.
5: Well, with this being the hundred fiftieth Open Championship, with so many great young players at the top of their game, with Tiger Pack. From his injury and really, uh, enjoying the process he, he, you've seen it over the last couple of days with him. I can't be more excited than to spend as much possible time over the next, uh, four days starting on Thursday watching this event and reliving and, and, and recreating the memories that I had there. It's a magical place. And, you know, the home of golf, the golf course, Chris is as flat a golf course as you'll ever see. But you can't believe how much movement there is to the land and how many uncomfortably blind shots there are. So it's, it's a brilliant golf course. It has stood up very well. I am also interested in seeing what today's length does at St. Andrews. Um, I'm hoping it's fiery, fast, and fun. I know the weather's going to be pretty good, so it's going to be a really exciting week, and it can't miss TV for me.
0: Reese, you played St. Andrews, I believe, the first time was all the way back when you were a teenager. What was it like for you playing uh, the home of golf?
6: Well, I actually hit over the station master station before they took it down and put the old course hotel up there. And, uh, you know, I I did shoot 76 uh, in the later years. So I bogey the last two holes, so I'm still upset about it. Um, but <laughs> I, I think I three-putted think I both greens. That, uh, I even hit the 17th training regulation. I three-putted it. But, um, I think what Bill points out, I think the angles are important. I think, you know, when we go and play it as an amateur, I play the caddies tell you to play left. But if the pros want to, ma- they master the place, they play right. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how it's played today. Is if it's firm and fast, because it's, uh, they'll be able to play the aerial game, which they weren't able to play in years past because it was really, a golf course that was played on the ground. So I, the length factor is going to be very, very interesting. And I'm not I know that Hawk added some length years ago, which I think is very beneficial. Uh but I think they just have to hope that the wind picks up because that's what's going to make it a real challenge.
0: Dwayne, before I let you guys go, remind our listeners how they can get more information about you know coming up there and playing on their own with a group, corporate membership, all that sort of thing, how can they go online and get more information about all of that and book their stays? Yes.
4: Yeah, thank you, Chris. So, uh, the easiest way is our website, uh, just P H E, um, Macklemore.com. And, uh, we literally have been holding it back. We just put on a link today for the outpost to share more information with anybody that wants to learn more about the technical aspects of that. And, uh, Chris, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to allow us to come on. You've been great uh, to us. We uh, uh, we appreciate from the very beginning uh, the efforts that we've given, and it's uh, just always a pleasure to to have any moment with uh, with Bill and Reese together. Uh, they're absolutely a pleasure to work with, and, uh, you know, their passion and their skills uh, just been one of my life treasures to be able to witness and participate with them on really doing something special in the game. So thank you.
0: Bill, how can our listeners follow the great things that you've got going on at Bergen Golf?
5: Well, thanks, Chris, and I appreciate your support always of my work and uh, Mclemore. They've been a great, a great partner for us, and um, I can't wait to get you up there with Reese and I one day and uh, give you a tour of this property. But you can see my stuff at uh, BergenGolf.com, and we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we enjoy uh, progress. Uh, Posts of our of our finished work and our work as it's going. So you'll be seeing a lot of the outposts coming soon. And let me tell you, it's going to be a, an exciting follow.
0: Reese, how about the same for you? How can we stay up to date with all the great things you're doing?
6: Well, we're doing a lot of work in Florida. We're building a 12-hole golf course in Missouri. We just built a course in Johnsonville, South Carolina, which is the old Wellman Club. We're bringing it back. It was abandoned. And uh, we're building a new course in the Pat Skills for a casino, the old Concord Hotel. Um, and we're doing one in Sao Paulo, Brazil, if we can travel back and forth a little more easily pretty soon. So uh, we've been quite busy. The golf industry for, for us has been very, very hot at this time. And I just I think the projects like McLemore, uh really enhance the game and enhance the pleasure. I think the hotels could be a huge success i think the one thing that Dwayne mentioned about working with bill and myself we love working with Dwayne and all his people People people's what makes life go around and and the group at at maxillmore is such a great group of people it's just a pleasure to be around them and and really to work together so and i think that is reflected on everybody that visits and when they come to the hotel they're going to get that same feeling everybody's going to feel like they're a member of the community because the people are so special
0: hundred percent. Couldn't agree more with that statement, Reese. So guys, Dwayne, Bill Reese, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to come back and be a part of the show again tonight. I hope you guys will come back again soon. Update us. Let us know how things are going at the outpost. It sounds like it sounds exciting. I can't wait to see it.
2: Well, good. Thank, thank, good. thank you, Chris. Take care, fellas. Stay safe. All the best to your families. We'll catch up soon.
0: Okay. Folks, that is Phil Bergen, Reese Jones, and Dwayne Horton from the Macklemore. And folks, you guys know, I mean, you hear me bragging about the Macklemore every single week here on the show. And what a great experience we've had now two years in a row going up there and uh, having our annual golf trip. The, the, the original course, the Macklemore is as outstanding a piece of property and outstanding golf course as you'll find anywhere on the planet. Again, it's not just me saying that you're hearing that from Lynx magazine. You're hearing it from Kip Henley, who, uh, who's come on the show several times and bragged about the golf course as well. And now we get the outpost, five holes along the edge of the mountain on top of that. I I, I mean, I'm speechless. I can't wait to go see it. Phil sent me a little snapshot of, of, uh, what the vista kind of looks like from one of the golf holes earlier tonight. And it looks spectacular. And he says it's even better in person. And I'm sure he's. He's a hundred percent right about that. So I can't wait to see what the, the property looks like. I can't wait to see how the golf course starts to round out and take shape. And, uh, and then just all the other amenities that you have around. You heard Dwayne talk about it, but they've got a, a, a beautiful looking, uh, hotel that's going to have, uh, some pretty spectacular views as well. So everything about the place. Like uh, again, and they, and they treat you so well, right? And, and as Reese said, the people really make the difference and the people do make the difference up there. They all treat you so well. So you've got spectacular golf, you've got a great restaurant, you've got entertainment with the little short course that Bill and, and Reese put together, you've got the Himalayas putting course, you're going to have this wonderful new hotel. Boy, I, I just can't imagine why you would want to go anywhere else and why you wouldn't want to go experience it for yourself. So stay tuned. We'll keep you up to date with all the great things they're doing. Hopefully we get to have all three guys back on the show and giving us an update for how the course is rounding into shape. All right, my friends, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Tee. My sincere thanks again to Rob Strano, Mark Wiebe, Bill Bergen, Reese Jones, and Dwayne Horton for joining me tonight. Next week, I'm going to be taking a little time off, spend some time with my in-laws at the beach. When I return on Tuesday, July the 26th, my guests are going to be 1978 PGA champion John Mahaffey will be back with me. We'll get a visit from 1984 gold medal Olympic figure skater Scott Hamilton. Looking forward to having Scott as part of the show. Plus, the tournament director of the Travelers Championship, Nathan Grude, will be here, as will my co-host from over on the football side. Our show Thursday Night Tailgate, Bob Lazeri, will be here with me as well. So it's going to be a great show, folks. I hope you'll come back and be a part of it with us. You can listen to this show as a podcast on just about every major podcasting app out there including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast.co, Audioboom, Player.fm, and Podbean. Folks, if you've got a favorite podcasting app or site, we're probably on that one as well. Just click the search bar, type in Next on the T, you'll probably find us on there as well. Please also check out our website, NextOnTheT.net, to see what our upcoming guest schedule looks like. Plus, we've got links to Recent episodes and individual guest segments, so whether you've got 90 minutes or 20 minutes, we've got great content on there for you as well for free, oh, by the way. Folks, thank you again for choosing to listen to this show tonight. I know there are a lot of golf podcasts out there for you to choose from. I'm very thankful that you continue to make Next on the T one of them. Until two weeks from tonight, hit them straight, my friends.